Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll first talk with Joe Wilcox of Beta News. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from Avram Pilch, who's the online editorial director for Laptop Magazine, about the tech prospects for 2013. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Out Live. So we have Joe Wilcox with us. A busy week, because we were going to record the show earlier in the day, and then he tells us about this great story that's developing involving the government's, shall we say, investigation of Google. But Google fared pretty well, didn't they? (laughs) Slap on the wrist is an understatement, but it also demonstrates where the priorities are in terms of uh, the uh, at least the U.S. government going after companies like Google. Okay, so we're looking at the case here, and, you know, our listeners don't always play inside baseball, so it's always good to explain what's going on. So... Why was the government probing Google? What are the ramifications and what was the reason? Uh, well, there are a couple of things. This was an antitrust investigation primarily, and it was uh, undertaken by the Federal uh, Federal Trade Commission. The Justice Department also could have jurisdiction, but the FTC, uh, I guess, requested it and, and got it and spent almost 20 months uh, investigating Google. They collected something like $9 million documents. So it was, from the FTC's perspective, a a very thorough investigation. This is a silly question, Joe, before you go on. Right. Okay. They collected 9 million documents. Are these physical printed documents or just online documents or records? Well, I assume a lot of it's digital. If you think about email and the other kind of things that that are collected, and if they're also examining search results, which I'm sure they did, uh, then that's obviously going to be uh, digital as well. Okay, so what were the problems involving Google? What could they have been charged with? Well, I guess the main thing is search bias, that somehow Google was giving itself, its products, its services, preference in search over everybody else. And that could be a big violation if found to be the case. If you look at U.S. antitrust law and then also the FTC Act, it's all about protecting consumers and consumer choice. And this is very important to emphasize because there's a misunderstanding about competitors, that the law is there to protect competitors. It's not. It's there to protect competition. The understanding that competition is good for consumers because you get more products in the, in the market, more services, at a more affordable price, et cetera, et cetera. So you can have uh, an action by the government that protects consumers but still allows harm to competitors. And that's a different than European Union, and we can talk about that later if you like. Sure. So anyway, the uh, FTC chairman was emphatic. In fact, during the, the news conference, he repeated several times that they, they found unanimously that there was nothing. They closed the case. They, they closed the investigation. They didn't find search bias. And in areas where there might be some, they saw the same practices by other search engines. Uh, search engines. They rule that as, as industry practice. You know, so I want to ask you something here, which may relate to it. With Google Plus, I understand here that when you sign up for a Google service, Plus is now automatic, and as a result of which Plus didn't rate as well in Google search. 
I'm not sure if it, well, if you, if you need a Google profile for something, then essentially you automatically get a Google plus. Um, I actually haven't looked to see if you have get Google plus everywhere, but the two, the Google profile, which you need for services like Gmail is absolutely tied to, uh, to Google plus. I know it seems to be something which they're really pushing now. Okay. So let's get on with the complaint against Google and the search bias. But the key so, here is that they couldn't prove it. It isn't they couldn't prove it. They they it's about uh, you know is it there or not? I mean the FTC chairman said everybody wants the big case. You want to you want to find the big one that the career you know making case and th- this would be it. Only it's not <laughs> is essentially what he said. Uh, they just couldn't find uh, consumer harm there uh, in the search area where they did find harm was in the area of patents. And that might be a, an interest to, to the uh, Apple listeners because of all the, the stuff that goes on there. But back to search. Uh, Google did voluntarily agree to make some changes. And that may also have helped the FTC uh, commissioners to, to decide to not do anything. So basically, there have been accusations previously that Google scraped competitors' results, like Yelp and then presented the information as its own. So there's going to be some changes, an opt-out option, for example, where uh, you don't have to be listed in Google search if you don't want to. Additionally, uh, there's uh, some issues with, uh, particularly for smaller advertisers, smaller businesses, trying to manage uh, multiple advertising campaigns. The way that uh, Google's, the terms of its API really didn't allow that. So now Google will change the terms of its uh, terms and conditions of its API and give them more freedom uh, so that they can manage uh, multiple ad campaigns across multiple platforms. So a lot of the stuff is just really technical, geeky stuff that they fixed. Right. And, but that's all voluntary. The patent stuff is a little different. Okay. That's this where, is interesting. Yes. Okay. So the patent stuff is where the FTC did find consumer harm. Uh, Motorola Mobility, and I'm assuming many of your listeners know, uh, is now a subsidiary of Google. Uh, Before Google bought it, it was very aggressive uh, in its uh, patent pursuits, much more so actually than than Apple, who, who, as you know, I've been somewhat critical about. Motorola went after companies regarding its uh, what they call industry uh, standard patents which are supposed to be licensed under uh, you know, reasonable and non-discriminatory terms. So uh, these industry standard patents are considered essential patents, which everybody needs for different kinds of products. For example, like maybe for, for 3G data is an example of an industry standard patent. Wi-Fi is another. I'm, I'm not saying – I actually don't know which one's uh, Motorola holes. I'm just throwing those out as, as, as patents everybody needs. And understand here we're not talking one patent or two. We're talking about thousands of patents. Thousands, potentially thousands of patents. It's really complicated, and I really have pity on the lawyers and accountants who have to sort <laughs> this out. This has got to be one big mess. It's almost as complicated as the value-added tax in Europe. <laughs> we won't go there. So, <laughs> so anyway, so Motorola was suing a bunch of companies, uh, seeking injunctions against their products, and the FTC decided that has that has the potential of causing great consumer harm because you would have fewer products on the market, few less choice, and that would be bad for competition. Therefore, it's bad for consumers. 
And uh, the FTC kind of scolded Google because Google, in buying Motorola, kind of indicated that it would drop these cases, but it didn't. Okay, okay. Now, they indicate they drop it. Is that a violation of the promise, or was that something made verbally? Was it a really ironclad promise? Um, I'm not sure how ironclad it was. Um, if it was in I, writing, they'd get around it, you know. Well, but but no, not necessarily. I mean, if it's if they're if they're violating the law, then regardless of the promise, it's still it's still uh, a, a problem that has to be solved by the regulators. So here they've entered into a settlement slash consent decree. It's a legally binding binding compen- uh, document has much more force than their voluntary their other voluntary thing, uh, and uh, that'll have to be approved by the court. Actually, there'll be a uh, – well, actually, correction, I'm not sure it has to be approved by the court. I do know that there will be a period of public comment about it, and we'll st- I think it's like 60 days. Uh, and then there's an approval process, uh, and then, then, then once it's in place, you know, Google uh, will be bound by the agreement, and I'm assuming in the meantime, the company will act on it, which means – Dropping these cases, dropping uh, requests for injunctions against different products, etc. And a lot of lawyers will be crying as a result. We have Joe Wilcox of Beta News. We'll cover Google and the FTC and the ramifications in our next segment on the Tech Night How Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters, antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power, vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9, beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster, our own four-herb tea capsules, and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Joe Wilcox of Beta News joins us. Understand he's got a great insight on this. He's a former industry analyst. So he brings that background as we probe this. So, okay. So the way it works now is that Motorola's industry standard patents have to be licensed on a free, equitable basis. They can't, you know, charge Apple four times as much as, say, Samsung or HTC. And there's no, and all litigation ends. Uh huh. In other words, uh, the, the FTC doesn't want uh, products prevented from being brought to market. So this is it. They've got to be good people. But this means, of course, that they have a guaranteed amount of money that will come for them from these patents. There's no more argument. Uh, yeah, you could say that, yes. Okay, so that's nice to see a little settling down. But this is one that required the FTC to push it. Right, but it's also not what people expected. There was an expectation with this, uh, this investigation starting with search, and that being Google's core business, and influencing so many people and accusations that Google is becoming a gatekeeper to the Internet, that that's where the hammer would fall. Instead, it, it fell on, on the, the Motorola subsidiary. Is it also possible they did this because Microsoft does the same thing with Bing, favoring their own enterprises and partnerships? Absolutely. In fact, during the conference call, uh, the uh, chairman of the FTC used Bing as an example. So basically everyone does it. But 
just be on your best behavior. Right. Well, then there we go. So Google dodges a bullet. Now they don't have to worry about hiring lawyers with regard to industry standard patents. That doesn't mean that Motorola can't go after companies for other reasons, but this really lessens the litigation. Correct. But Google still got another bullet uh, in the gun. Okay. The, the European Union is not done with, with uh, the search giant yet. And if you remember with Microsoft, the European Union went down after Microsoft far more severely than the U.S. Department of Justice. That's likely to happen, uh, happen here as well because antitrust law is different in Europe. There, it seeks to protect competitors as well as consumers. Okay, so, so uh, though, is it the same kind of complaint, though, search bias or what? Uh, pretty much. I mean, it's similar enough uh, that, that it's searched by. I mean, there, uh, the concern is somewhat larger because uh, in many European countries, uh, Google's search share is 90% or more. Here it's uh, what, it's, so it's like 65, 66, 66%? 66%? Yeah. So its dominance is, is much greater. And so you know, the impact of its behavior conceptually is greater as well. Okay, so... How long is this process going to take, and what potential damage could come to Google? Well, right now, Google has been given uh, uh, basically a final – how do I put it? Uh, basically, the, the, uh, the European Competition Commission has told Google, you have to present us with a reasonable settlement. Otherwise, we're going to hit you. So basically, and- here, Google has to admit they're guilty. <laughs> in some ways, you know what? In some ways, that's true. The EU is a little bit unforgiving that way. I mean, if you look at uh, some of the, the some of the parts of the agreement for the U.S. thing, Google doesn't really admit fault; it just agrees to make certain changes. The EU, yeah, they're they're more likely to, to hit hit with blame, as as they did with Intel and Microsoft and other companies. Okay, they're saying, okay, get this wrapped up. You got to admit you're guilty. And now let's figure out what kind of penalties you're going to pay. Now, in this case, is this going to be kind of like Microsoft where they could shell out half a billion or a billion dollars or so? That I'm not sure about. A lot of it depends on – that's not an easy answer. One, because I'm not a, not a European lawyer. Sure. And two, uh, because the, the, the kind of – we don't know exactly what they're finding. And so it's, it's hard to answer that question uh, without that information. However, it's you know fines are definitely possible, and as you see see here, Google didn't get fined uh, at all. Uh, I should say uh, that the uh, the FTC chairman did say today that um, uh, he had been working with his counterparts in Europe, which suggested that the ruling here might have s- some mitigating effect on what happens on the continent. But it's anybody's guess. Well, that didn't quite happen with Microsoft, did it? <laughs> uh, no, it didn't. I mean, if you look at Microsoft, uh, uh, one of the key key claims in the in the case here was that Microsoft had illegally uh, tied that's integrated uh, Internet Explorer into Windows. That that portion was actually eventually dropped uh, following appeal, uh, but uh, uh, in Europe, they found against Microsoft on the browser and the media player and and compelled the company to remove both from the operating system to ship a version of windows without ie and without windows media player 
You also had to have a ballot or something where you vote to select the browser you want and download it? That's correct. So it's uh, it, it's kind of a startup ballot where you have a, a number of different browsers, uh, choices that are presented to you, and then you choose one, and um, you know that's, that's it. What's interesting is that uh, Microsoft actually omitted that for about 18 months uh, with the release of uh, Windows 7. Yeah, and they said, gee, we forgot. We didn't realize that happened. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, it really shows how slow the... Uh, uh, the gears grind over there in Europe. If it took you know, yeah, eight- but I think the person who didn't see that, who should have been watching, <laughs> needs to get another job because this one he or she doesn't know very well. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, well, what I'm surprised is they didn't get more complaints from competitors like Opera, which is in Europe, right? Right, they're in Norway, I believe, and they're really, you know, the low end of the stick. They get the short end of the stick as far as desktop browsers are concerned they do best with mobile browsers uh better definitely at least they get money from mobile browsers that also helps (laughs) okay so now with google in europe okay so how does it work that google says we're not going to do that anymore we're going to clean up our acts and we'll hand you a check is that it uh maybe maybe not uh with a settlement there may not be a penalty again i'm not a uh a European antitrust lawyer, so I can't say definitively, but I would assume in the case of a settlement, there might not be a uh, financial penalty. So the key here is to not do what they're supposed to be doing. Now, the patent issue, would that also apply or be dealt with in Europe also? Or is the fact that they're licensing them here in an industry standard way, fair, reasonable charges, that means it's on the entire world, or what? Yeah, I would assume the terms here would, would kind of, uh, I mean, it's in Google's interest to to apply this everywhere. Well, you have so, to make it simple. It's going to yeah. be awfully complicated. So the, the, the company, you know, the company will lose, if nothing else, face and just run it. In other words, it's more hassle and, of course, more money for the lawyers uh, if if Google were to do, were, were to do that, uh, to... Um, uh, treat the licensing different here than everywhere else. But I, I expect it'll be the same globally. Yeah, regardless of the terms, uh, Google is likely to, to, uh, to, to follow them globally. We have Joe Wilcox of Beta News joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. 
Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we're starting with Joe Wilcox of Beta News, exploring the ramifications of the settlement between Google and the FTC and how it might impact what goes on in Europe. Now, let's look at some of the other things with regard to the lawsuits and also a story I heard the other day that Samsung is going to release a line of smartphones using a totally different operating system, not Android, not Windows Phone, but another operating system. 
Well, it already does that today. Um, okay. It's homegrown, uh, homegrown Bada. Now, maybe yeah, but I'm not about Bada. I'm talking about yet a different operating system. Um, actually, I had not. Well, I hadn't heard about it, <laughs> so uh, I can't comment on that. But I, well, I, I guess I can comment on it. I'm surprised. Uh, I mean, Samsung already has Bada, so why would it want something else that's homegrown? Well, I think this is it. Yeah, you never know. But apparently, the story goes. Let's give you the story. It's okay. Samsung chooses Tizen, T-I-Z-E-N, as alternative to Android. It's an open source OS based on Linux. Right. And, you know, the stories that come out in Europe. It just basically says Samsung, the South Korean electronics manufacturer, responsible for the best-selling Android-powered Galaxy S smartphone series, has confirmed it will release the first phones running the open source Tizen OS sometime this year. Samsung previously announced it would merge its bottom mobile OS with Tizen, ensuring backwards compatibility. There you go. Um, what's the source on that? This is uh, several publications. This is Tech Week in Europe. And supposedly the development is managed by the Linux Foundation. Hmm. Okay, so this is very interesting. And this is in a number of different places. Huffington Post, Tech Week. So why that doesn't mean happen? anything. I mean, uh, unless Samsung emphatically confirms. I mean, at Beta News, we don't. We almost never publish uh, rumor stories. If we can't source it or find a confirmed source, we don't go with it. And so, okay, CNET um, also did it. Okay, doesn't matter unless unless Samsung executives said we will do this. Sure. And do, do they do they do they say that or is it all just rumor? And no, it's quoting Samsung. That Samsung made okay. an official announcement. So. Well, All right, well, you know, case. look, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, I know nothing about it. I know nothing about the OS, but certainly it would be very interesting to see, you know, what it all means. But this announcement was supposedly made. I'll give you the link to it so we can talk about it later, you know, maybe the next time. Because okay. then we'll know more about the OS and what it does, whether this is meant just for low-end phones or whether it's meant for, you know, other products. And that might be complicated until the thing appears. But, yeah. you know, and looking at it generally, though, is there any reason... I guess because of all the lawsuits and everything, does that discourage smartphone makers from using Android? Would they like to have an alternative where they won't face that problem? I don't think it's a legal issue. I think it, I think there there are a number of good reasons to have a um, uh, another operating system. You know, one is choice. One is uh, providing you know something for uh, you know lower end phones. Another is control. Right now, you know, Samsung, in a way, rustles control from Google with Android, as as all the licensees do. Uh, you know, Samsung slaps on its own TouchWiz UI on top of Android. Uh, that that and uh, other factors limit how quickly uh, the users get the newest version of Android. Maybe uh, uh, Samsung would like something that it, that it has more control over uh, and can customize uh, more freely. Uh, Samsung also offers its own, you know, ecosystem. Samsung also has its own uh, digital uh, entertainment ecosystem. So, like Apple and uh, Google, Sony, and some others, uh, it has, uh, you know, music, movies, and things that you can, you know, download. And uh, maybe having its own operating system. Uh, for lower lower end smartphones, for example, going into areas like China or India, where it can have more control over the interface and that that vertical stack of applications, or whatever, 
that that's that's all one reason why I could see uh, Samsung, you know, pursuing yet another operating system. But again, I'm wondering why not its own thing, uh, Bada, which is done very well. It's it's actually globally, its uh, market share is above Windows Phone. Well, I gather from reading this story, assuming it's accurate, and we have to verify all the details, as you said, that they're going to be kind of merging bother with this new operating system so they kind of get out of it all right let's just you know leave that aside here except for one serious question here with regard to google we know that all the various companies who produce android equipment they reserve the right to add their own interface elements so for example the amazon kindle os is based on android an older version of android wouldn't it be better for google to mandate some more consistency here? Because how do you have an Android branding as a product if everybody does it differently and everybody gives you a different look and feel? Well, it's open source. And so uh, uh, that's why Google, Google doesn't mandate. Uh, where, it, where it mandates is on, is on the stuff that it sells directly, its own Nexus line of devices. But for everyone else... You know their 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 licensing responsibility is uh, if they make changes is to you know to make that uh, available you know to everyone. Uh, okay, so if Samsung puts a their own custom overlay. Everybody can do that if they want. Well, I mean they have to I, unless I'm mistaken, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. They have to uh, uh, release the code. Okay, all right. Let's move on to that other company, that other big company that's been fighting Samsung and all these other companies, Apple. All right, so I gather you haven't liked the fact that Apple is embroiled in all these lawsuits. Do you think now with the settlement from HTC, the deal involving Google and Motorola Mobility, that maybe Samsung and Apple can kind of get past this, shake hands and make up, or is that train sailed? Um, it's a good question. Uh, right now, it, it doesn't seem like the, the the two parties could come to the table, and uh, I'm not sure, you know, where where you know where it can end. Uh, Apple's been very aggressive going after you know Samsung and not just Samsung, uh, and you know, we've heard rumors again, nothing definitive about uh, negotiations at different points and an inability, you know, for the two sides to meet. And considering that uh, uh, Samsung had a big loss uh, here in the United States, you would think that there would be more willingness by either or both parties to settle. Uh, but that does not appear to be the case. And there's also a story that Apple is looking to set up the manufacturing of those A-series chips with another company, not Samsung. Samsung right now builds them in Texas. Right. Well, uh, but again, it takes a long time to change fabs. I mean, we're probably looking at 12, 18, even 24 months uh, for, the, for there to be a switchover. Doesn't that give uh, Samsung 12 months to say, hey, we can work out a deal here. Don't take your business away. But they already are taking it away. If I remember correctly, iPhone 4S, uh, about uh, 25, 26% of the components were supplied by Samsung. I don't know what it is for iPhone 5, but my understanding is significantly less. So this is billions of dollars a year that Samsung is leaving on the table. Right, but also as Apple you know, pulls its business away, Samsung may be more aggressive about defending itself. Surely that had to have been a conflict before uh, that um, you know, uh, your Samsung, 
you've got this big customer. What are you going to do? Are you going to, um, uh, you know, you know, fight them aggressively because you they, they're your customer, and now they're your um, uh, aggressor as well. Sure, makes for a pretty, pretty shaky kind of relationship. You know, you have to wonder when they write the checks, Apple to Samsung, whether they kind of have to swallow rather deeply, saying, "Let's see, it's another five billion dollars. Do we really need to do this? So much more to talk about here." And we'll get into Apple's issues and a story you wrote about Apple, and where at once we had the David and Goliath situation, where Apple was David, maybe Microsoft was Goliath, whatever, and now. <laughs> Apple has become Goliath, and therein lies a problem, and we'll have to go into it. Joe Wilcox of Beta News joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dry guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. 
I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg Joe Wilcox of Beta News joins us, and he likes to be provocative in what he says over at Beta News and his various columns. And he has a story out this week about Apple. So remember, Apple was David, little David, really trying harder to succeed. And now they are the Goliath, the Colossus. Despite the fact that stock price has gone down the last few weeks, they're still huge. So you're <laughs> suggesting in your article that Apple is being less innovative and partly because i guess they now have something to lose maybe when they were a tiny company a scrappy startup they didn't have so much to lose now they've got something to lose and maybe it's more about preserving rather than just shaking up an industry they're already involved in yeah i mean four years ago i wrote a story which uh caught which i guess the i assume the apple folks like but nobody else did uh, why apple succeeds and always will and i looked at uh, the company and how it uh, literally, you know, thinks differently or thinks different, I guess, <laughs> is how we have to use it, right? Um, and applied what I call David thinking. There's a political scientist, I uh, hope I can say this guy's name correctly here. It's Ivan uh, Erguin Toft. And he. Listen, had don't done- worry about it. He'll call us if you do it wrong. <laughs> anyway, Sorry about done- that, Ivan. Joe's a nice guy. Leave him alone. Good guy. He had done extensive research on military conflicts, and he found that a surprising number of uh, underdogs, so-called Davids fighting Goliaths, won their engagements. But where they did really well is when they changed the rules of the engagement. Uh, Almost two-thirds of the time, uh, David would beat Goliath. And uh, he said that the, uh, and essentially the, the biblical story applies here. If you look at 
uh, David and Goliath, the traditional rules of engagement where you, you put on the armor and the sword and you, you fought. And had David done that, he surely would have lost. Uh, Goliath would have killed him. Instead, he played to his strengths. He's a small guy. He was young. He's a farmer. He knew how to use a slingshot. He could move faster. And so he decided not, not to play by the same rules. And, and as, a, as such, he could stay out of uh, Goliath's reach and eventually, from a distance, hit him with that stone that, that killed him. Likewise, Apple, for so much of its history, applied David think, what I call David thinking, where instead of in, engaging by the rules established by the other companies, by the Goliaths, you know, the, it's that think, think different, think differently approach of how can we change the rules to our advantage? How can we play to our strengths? How can we make our strengths work for us? The problem now is that Apple is Goliath. If I look at a lot of the product decisions and things that happened in, in 2012, we really see the company working more to, to protect what it has, uh, to protect the status quo rather than be the rebel. And I think it is possible to be the rebel and the status quo. Uh, but under Tim Cook, I don't see that Apple is doing that. Okay, so let's look at examples here. Now, with smartphones, of course, it's a little bit more difficult because when you produce a new smartphone, you're dealing with carriers and you have to follow certain conventions. And the other question is here, if Apple is going to have a revolution, and I agree with you, you know, from iPhone 1 to now, yeah, you've got a 4-inch screen now, yeah, the case is different, that kind of thing. The OS is updated. But, you know, the fundamentals are pretty much the same. These are minor improvements. But how does Apple shake that up? How do you shake it up? You've got a successful product. Now you say, you know what? We've got to do something with the iPhone. Take it maybe a new direction. What do you do? Like you, you stick it on your wrist or something? Well, I, I've, I've seen the rumors of those iPhone <laughs> watches, but let's not go there. I think um, there already is one company that does that with a watch. Oh. And it just does some limited connectivity with a traditional iPhone, but, but you still need the iPhone. Right. So what I'm thinking is you go back to the fundamentals. What made iPhone revolutionary. Uh, it was, in many ways, it's more human-like in the way that it responds to you because of touch, because of the various sensors, so that when you put the phone to your face, you know, it knew it, it would uh, blank out the screen so you wouldn't press the buttons. Um, the other sensors that allow it to understand its, orient its spatial orientation, its uh, physical location, um, these things all make the phone a bit more human, and that's what's revolutionary about what was revolutionary about the original iPhone compared to anything else that existed. Uh, Siri, I, th I think, was a good attempt at extending that whole concept, making the phone more responsive to you by voice, uh, answering questions, uh, giving you the answers to those questions, you know, giving you answers to questions, whatever. But, you know, Siri needs some work. It's a work in progress. In fact, if you go on Apple's website and you look at the details of the iOS, a little tiny beta label next to it. <laughs> Been there for a long time. It's yeah, about time. I don't that think that it's going to come out of that beta level anytime <laughs> soon. Now, the other key here, of course, is reportedly when Apple had their executive shakeup and right. they had Mr. Fix-It at a queue, he's taking control of Maps and taking control of Siri. So I guess the edict is, okay, Get Siri out of beta, fix the problems, because Siri works fine if you're Samuel L. Jackson. Because if Samuel <laughs> L. Jackson glares at you, you do what he says. 
Doesn't right. matter if you're taller than Samuel L. Jackson. He's a pretty big guy. And it doesn't matter that Samuel L. Jackson is a baby boomer like I am. I guess we're almost the same age, as a matter of fact. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Samuel L. Jackson glares at you. You say, yes, sir. And therefore, when Siri hears Samuel L. Jackson or Zooey Deschanel or Martin Scorsese or even Gene Steinberg, some of the time, Siri says <laughs> yes. And probably Joe Wilcox, you know. But, you know, for everybody else, they have problems. Yeah, so it, it, it's something that needs to work on. But it's that whole concept is, you know, how do you go to the next thing uh, that makes it even more human-like? Uh, and... You know, I'm not a product designer, and I'm I'm not going to speak for Apple, but I I think the fundamental concept is correct. It's how to take it somewhere else, and and maybe you know it's rather than a bigger you know a bigger phone, it's a it's a smaller phone because you don't need the screen as much, for example. But you know, Apple doesn't have a revolution every year, even with the iPod. The revolution right. there was you had the hard drive base, you went to flash, you had different shapes, you added video, but the basic concept of the iPod was cemented in 2001, and that was but, it. Variations on the theme. Then you had the iPhone 2007, since then variations on the theme. 2010, you have the iPad, and then you have the Mini, and you have the Retina display variations on the theme. Apple doesn't overnight do a revolution. They do it every few years, so you have to think, what are they going to do in 2013 or 14? supposedly when the products that might have been greenlit by Steve Jobs are no longer there? What does Apple do next? And wouldn't that be where they really face the consequences? Well, l let me take that in two parts. The, I want to answer that and then go back to the iPod. Sure. So that's my point, is I'm, I'm concerned that Apple will face the consequences, that we have an, we've kind of moved into an iteration approach to preserve the status quo instead of an innovation approach. You need to make certain strategic investments that pay off years in the future. Uh, I wrote a story um, a couple years ago looking at uh, 2001, which I consider one of the most significant years in Apple's history. You have four things that came out uh, that were fundamental to a lot of other developments that came later on. iTunes in January of that year, uh, OS X in March, the uh, Apple stores in May, and then uh, iPod in October. And if you look at OS X, it was very risky, uh, making a major platform change months before Microsoft was going to re uh, release yet another version of Windows XP. Uh, not a good time to making a platform change. They opened the first stores when Gateway was shuttering hundreds. And right. then iPod was a category that, that uh, Apple had never gone into, gone into before. And this is all being done in a recession after the company had had several bad quarters following the, uh, um, the G4 Cube debacle. Well, the but G4 Cube, by the way, did exist still in 2001. It was killed a few weeks after the OS X was released. As a matter of fact, I remember something very distinctly. The rollout to OS X, March of 2001, we go to Apple's Cupertino campus. I'm sitting behind Steve Jobs and Phil Schiller, and we have Jonathan Ive showing everybody how quickly OS X wakes up from sleep by opening and closing a notebook computer. Very interesting. Okay, so during that course of that event, Jobs is asked a few questions by members of the press. 
And one of those questions was, Mr. Jobs or Steve, are you going to discontinue the G4 Cube? That's what I've heard. Jobs response coming up. We have Joe Wilcox joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free. 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So I am remembering, I can still remember, almost 11 years ago, when <laughs> Mac OS X was introduced, rollout at the Cupertino campus of Apple. I'm sitting there behind Steve Jobs and Phil Schiller, except when Steve gets on the stage. And it was kind of funny, a little anecdote here. Jobs sneezes, I say, bless you. And he looks at me like I'm some kind of crazy person before he says, thank you. Then he gets on stage, he does a presentation, he's asked questions. One says, you know, I, is this true? I've heard that you're going to discontinue the G4 Cube. And Jobs stares at this guy and says, you don't know what you're talking about. Of course he did, because a few weeks later, the Cube was discontinued. Go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Actually, I owned a, I owned a G4 Cube. But, I uh, tested it for CNET. I loved it. But I said this way. I said, this is the kind of computer that belongs in a museum. And I was thinking of the line from Indiana Jones movie, you know, where this artifact belongs in a museum, he says to his... <laughs> 
would be captor. And the other guy says, so do you, Dr. Jones. And yeah, that's where it belongs because it never could succeed as a retail product. Well, I, I bought one, and all I can say is that uh, it was a work of art. It was like buying uh, a piece of art. But, oh, it looked uh, lovely. It's just I was a little flaky. Like when my wife would try to clean the room, she would always put the thing to sleep because you had this proximity sensor in the start sleep switch. Right. Okay. So, But, yeah, it was. I think the problem, if we look back at it, the Cube, is that it was overpriced, underpowered. And if they could have brought it out for a few hundred dollars less and maybe made the expansion options a little more sensible, I think the thing would have continued. Yeah, but also the timing was bad. We had a, the recession started that autumn as well, and the whole right. PC market collapsed. I mean, the autumn of 2000. So Okay, so we know Apple has all this innovation going on in 2001. They've right. got the stores. I went to the opening of the second store, Chandler Fashion Square in Chandler, Arizona, where I met Ron Johnson. That was their second mm-hmm. store, I believe. Okay, so... They have the store. They have Mac OS X. They have the iPod. Four major revolutions. Okay. And, but that's and the not- only year they did that because after that, the next revolution came in 2007 with the iPhone. And then the next Correct. one, 2010, with the iPad. Does Apple hope that maybe their next revolution is going to be something that Apple TV will become? Maybe, but, but I want to get back to the iPod because sure. I think there's a lot that happened with iPod in between. I mean, you can argue that, okay, the, the design didn't change, but actually it did. I mean, it got a lot smaller and the battery life got a lot better. Uh, I remember the Nano launched in September 2005, which was brilliant, by the way. Uh, because, in fact, to me, that encapsulates the kind of thinking that made that, that whole product launch encapsulates the kind of thinking that made Apple so successful later on. And that is somewhat missing now. That's where Steve uh, Jobs says that we have an iPod Mini. Forget about it. We're going to introduce the Nano instead. I understand Yeah, that. I mean, iPod Mini was at the height of its popularity. Nobody kills a product at the height of its popularity. But Apple also was looking at all these copycats coming into the market. Instead of litigating against them, Jobs innovated against them. Overnight, he made made his the iPod mini and everything that looked like it obsolete with the revolutionary nano pulling it out of his you know the coin pocket of his of his jeans is brilliant brilliant risky marketing strategy product development strategy that paid off handsomely okay and- but you know the point is here also the iPod whatever it was was just something to listen to music the iPhone if we're going to you know throw away the apple card as they say and right. have a revolution it's more immersive because there's so many more things you can do on it. So therefore, right. if you're going to upset the Apple cart and have a revolution, you still got to bring that forward. Because even though the Mini, when replaced, becoming the Nano, it was a revolution in terms of throwing away a successful product and having a totally new form factor, the fundamental function was it's a music player. So now if Apple is going to have a revolution with the iPhone, it's got to be the music player the internet access device, the small computer, the telephone, the messaging system, all these functions it has, you'd have to, as you say, have a totally different way of packaging it. So what do you do? Do you have it on your wrist or what do you do? Where do you take it next? Well, well I guess one, one thing you can ask is, is at what point do you take something away? I mean, Apple has done 
uh, has been very successful by removing things. If you remember with the iMac, where it dumped the legacy ports and went with the um, you know a USB and Firewire, uh, we've seen uh, other changes like the uh, dropping of the 30-pin for the uh, uh, lightning uh, connector on iPhone. Dropping and, optical and, drives on most models. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those are all uh, – so – What do you, you drop know, do you on from? iPhone? That's the question. The phone? <laughs> well, then it becomes an iPod Touch. But, but seriously, I mean, at what point At what point do you stop needing telephony? I'm not saying you give up your data connection, but at what point do you need to actually make phone calls you know, on the, on the phone um, the way they're done today? Well, you know, the other I mean, thing, of course, about that to consider – is that more and more people are giving up their landlines and going to mobile phones. So, you know, the iPhone for many people is their telephone. So right, you but, still have to but, recognize that. I'm sure, trying to understand you, where we're going with this. Go to, you, go to, you go to do something like video, where we're not going to do phone calls. We're going to do video calls only. Shades of Dick Tracy. Um, I mean, it would shake it up. I mean, the, the infrastructure is, I mean, Apple's already got, uh, you know, FaceTime there. Uh, and there are uh, third parties, uh, third party solutions like Skype that could be supported. Why not treat voice as archaic and uh, let people encourage people to, to just do video? That would absolutely shake things up. Well, they're already doing that with FaceTime. It's a matter of extending the FaceTime or making it an open source protocol so everybody can offer FaceTime. And that way you don't have the incompatibilities. You don't have to have an Apple device to use it. Uh, yes, that's one way to do it. Uh, but I'm thinking even before that is that you drop support for traditional, you know, voice calls. I don't think we're ready for that yet. Maybe Apple wants to do that. I just don't see how we're ready for it. I think we still need, we still need, I I still need my AT&T bucket of minutes. (laughs) But you know what people said? It's a smaller bucket though. Okay, but you know, people said that about uh, the legacy ports when, uh, or the optical drives. Oh, we still need them, but actually... A lot of people found they didn't need. Okay, so in this case here, obviously the wireless carriers will profit only if they continue to offer, of course, the data plans. That's where they make their money. They don't make the money from the buckets of minutes, but buckets of minutes are getting cheaper. Okay, so we understand here that Apple may not change the form factor drastically except if it fits on your wrist, or they could do that, but one way would be to gradually phase out the ability to be a telephone. All right, let's go with that. I mean, that, that's one idea. I mean, there, a sync could work a lot better. I mean, uh, people really need their information anytime and anywhere. And to be honest, Google does a much better job at that than anyone. And uh, Apple is you know, catching up, but uh, certainly uh, could do better. And uh, I think there's a lot going on with iCloud, with the, you know, with the, um, the, what's the what's the name of the music uh, match service? It's, it's iTunes I'm, Match. Now I'll tell you something. iTunes Match is flawed because there's sometimes <laughs> it doesn't match a song. And there's one that's a famous example. So mm-hmm. you get a Beatles album that you rip from a CD, right? And you rip it, and then you install it on your iTunes, and you're setting up iTunes Match, which ripped from your CD. The song from Abbey Road, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, generally is not matched. How about Why that? Why is that? I have no idea. I've asked Apple, don't get an answer. And I'm not the only one. You know, this is one of those things where if you go through the entire experience of people 
using iTunes Match, as I do, you're going to find that there's a certain percentage of songs that right. are not going to be matched. And there's no reason for it. I mean, you know, I'm looking here at songs all over the place, and I see where some of these things just don't work. There's no rationale to it. Apple has no explanation. I kind of think they've got it set up so maybe it's 90% perfect, 98% perfect, 99% perfect, whatever it is, and maybe the rest will come later. Maybe the technology is still kind of new. We'll see. Joe Wilcox joining us for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. 
Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Out Live, we're talking about a piece that Joe Wilcox wrote for Beta News. And he says, will 2013 be another year for Apple iteration masquerading as innovation? So they're resting on their laurels, minor improvements. We see that in iOS, OS 10, you know, not major improvements except taking on a few features from the iOS. But let's move, because we only have a few minutes left here, into Apple's hobby. Is that where they innovate again? with Apple TV or a smart TV set? Well, I, I think the whole TV thing is overhyped. I, I don't know why everyone thinks that uh, Apple is going to come along and, and revolutionize the, the, the TV market. We've already because they're kind of going. suggesting that that's what they want to do. Yeah, but no, but there's, there's persistent rumors they're building a TV and it's going to be better than everything else. I mean, a TV is a TV. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, yes, you can, I mean, I, I have a, a Google TV box attached to my, my old uh, big screen and I like it and get a lot of benefit from it. I've had Apple TV, uh, but I just don't, I, I don't see it. I, I, it, there's just, it, it's a market where you've had too many people buying big screen TVs uh, in, in the last few years. We're also seeing yep. surveys here that these so-called smart TVs, most people never use that feature. If they do, they yep. don't bother with the crazy interfaces. They'll do it off their Apple TV or their Roku box or Google TV, whatever, or they'll just play with their cable and satellite boxes. Okay, so the thing is also about TVs. You buy a TV set. You don't trade in next year. You keep it for five or ten years or until right. the thing breaks. I've got a TV set right now, a Sony 27-inch from about 1995, it works perfectly. Why give it away? It's not worth anything, but it works fine. Okay, so here's the thing here. My theory, and you can comment on this as much as you want, my theory is that Apple might morph the Apple TV into an Apple TV digital hub so it doesn't just present your content in Apple's interface because once you get past the TV setup screen, everything else is coming to you from whatever you're using to get your TV programming. So in this case, Correct. instead of DirecTV or Dish Network or Time Warner or cable or whatever, you see it in the Apple TV. How do you manage your multiple connections? Apple TV has 
a digital hub version with the four HDMI things, but using Siri and Apple's interface stuff, they integrate things much more seamlessly. Because I think the problem with the TV these days is not that you just turn on and watch what you want. That's been traditional for 60, 70 years. What is confusing sometimes is managing the multiple devices, turning this on, turning that off, switching inputs. You can do that with a universal remote control, but Apple might better integrate that. Maybe that's it, the seamless integration of all these interfaces, all these products into one smooth, seamless interface from Apple. But then you're not talking about an Apple TV. What you're really talking about, ideally, is a connected home or a connected business uh, device. Well, as I said, Apple TV using their name. Apple TV being a set-top box, except that it becomes an Apple TV hub, whatever you call it. Right. Well, I'm going to give you an odd answer to to response to all this. That's okay. My answer might be odd to some people, so there you go, man. (laughs) You know, they talk about the post-PC era, right? And uh, I don't think there is a post-PC era. I think it's something very different. I think we've actually entered what I've called the contextual computing era, where uh, everything is about context and that the best computing products are a change based on your context. And there are several different kinds of examples. One is it used to be that location defined your job. You went into the office, you worked nine to five, you went home and that was it. Now, because of these smart devices, uh, whether it's a laptop or you know cell phone, tablet, whatever, you know your your role uh, is not bound by location. You can be sitting on the couch at home with your kids, get a phone call, and go from parental role to product manager role without ever changing your location. And that's this whole contextual computing uh, is defining everything. Another example, and this is where Apple does a very good job is uh, how your content follows you where you go. So you're out and about and traveling, and in that context, you're willing to watch a phone, uh, watch a movie on your phone or your tablet. But you get home, and in that context of your living room, you want to watch the big screen TV, and you resume that movie where you left off on your phone and finish it there. Your location changes but the content is the same and how you consume that content changes based on the context and you use the device that is appropriate to that context. Apple has done fairly well in contextual computing. I think the next, the question is where does it go next? And I think that's the answer that I think that's the question behind everything we've discussed with Apple today is that how does Apple take contextual computing to the next level? whether that's with any of the devices we discussed, and one of them could be Apple TV or something that secedes it, uh, or something else we haven't, haven't seen. So the question here is, where does Apple take their hobby? But it seems to me that they do want to do something with it. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be. They, uh, Apple certainly hasn't given up on it yet. There's, there's so many things going on that we don't see behind the scenes in terms of you know, licensing content and, you know, can you get access, you know, to the to content and make it available to, to consumers by whatever device. Uh, and, you know, Apple certainly has faced challenges there as other other companies. You look at like, you know, Google with its Google Play music or movies, they don't have anywhere the selection of, uh, of, of choice that you can get from an Amazon or an Apple. And when 
do get it, it may be different. For example, you can buy the Hunger Games from Amazon and I assume also from iTunes, but you can't uh, from Google Play. You can rent it. So there's a licensing licensing restriction uh, imposed on Google for whatever reason. Maybe um, it's you know from the side of the of the content holder or an unwillingness for Google to pay X dollars. You know who knows. But it might is, something that maybe it's something that's still being negotiated. Right. Or it could be they have an exclusive contract with one of these other companies, like like Apple or Amazon, to distribute, you know, this way for X amount of time. Or, or related or Netflix, to other previous Netflix, or, commitments like HBO, where where you know we make this available for this amount of time, but because of our agreement with HBO, or whatever, then we don't make it available anymore. The the point is that all affects the content that Apple can provide to, you know, whatever media box it wants to. I was thinking here, and of course we have to kind of just wrap it up here. I was thinking here that the best way for Apple to solve this, because they can't get all the content, nobody can, except for your right. cable or satellite provider, and that is agree to work with the cable and satellite providers, and some, I think, might even accept this, to provide a front end for them where you provide an app for DirecTV, you provide an app for Cox Cable or Comcast, but you're still the customer of those services, but Apple is simply putting it like TiVo in their own unique interface. Joe Wilcox, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, betanews.com. <laughs> Always a lot of fun. Joe Wilcox, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, thanks, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed 
guaranteed. But if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214. 866-716-5214. Afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters. Antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power. Vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9. Beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster. Our own four-herb tea capsules and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. We're going to start speculating about what might come about at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, which will be in the coming week when we record the show. And we might even speculate on what Apple's going to do as a result of that. So this is all going to be fascinating. But I had a question for you here. There's a story from Samsung. They're going to be releasing a line of smartphones using I might be pronouncing this the wrong way, Tizen or Tizen operating system? Oh, yeah, I think it's Tizen. Tizen. But See, I, it, I was totally wrong there. No, 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 you, you could be right. I mean, I haven't heard it pronounced too much. I've heard it Tizen, Tizen. It's one of those Linux, Linux things. So, yes, I've heard that they're going to finally come out with some uh, with some phones using the Tizen project. Samsung likes to experiment. They have a lot of markets. They have a lot of phones. Uh, Tizen or Tizen, uh, as, well, as you know. Or whatchamacallit. We can call it whatchamacallit, the new whatchamacallit operating system. 
who knows where they came up with the name because you know this is actually the third name for this operating system. Now, this is based on partly on their operating system. On BADA. So they had their own little operating system called BADA that they used on some phones that you didn't normally see in the U.S. It was like Um, BADA went boom in the U.S. Right. Well, why would you use it when there's Android out there? And Android is obviously very very capable with a huge ecosystem. But... um, Tizen, Tizen is based on Migo as well, and Migo is based on Moblin. And Moblin, are you, are you lost yet? Now, Moblin, that was the operating system that Nokia had. So Nokia had an operating system called Moblin they were working on for the that was supposed to be the next operating system for their phones. They used it on a couple of phones. Then Intel became involved, and they called it Migo. And the point of Migo was that it was going to be an operating system that was used across phones and tablets and netbooks. And it was a, a thing there for like a year. But very few products were actually produced with Mego on them. There were a couple of netbooks. There was one Asus netbook. There was one. Uh, there were a couple of netbooks in Russia that were released with Mego on them. And, the, and then Nokia, in a uh, surprise move, when they hired their current CEO... For work, of course, for Microsoft, so it was no surprise. Right. Who worked for Microsoft. Well, so his thing was he wanted them to forget about Mego. They dropped the idea of Mego as their next operating system and went with Windows Phone. So because of that, um, because of that, Mego basically died, uh, but Intel did not want to admit that it was dead. Uh, so they changed the name of, of the project to Tizen, and Samsung became involved in it with them. And uh, Tizen is an open-source project, I believe, so Samsung does not have exclusive rights to it, nor did Nokia have exclusive rights to Mego, but without Nokia's involvement, they didn't want to call it Mego anymore. And they didn't want to, you know, to have that legacy of being a Nokia product. Now, this Tizen, supposedly, I'm not going to keep changing the pronunciation. Whatever it is, I understand it's being managed by the Linux Foundation, the open source. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's one of several, you know, possible uh, upstart phone OSs that are out there. But I'm not... Uh, you know, it, it certainly has some potential until they start coming out with it on a lot of phones here in the U.S. and other first world countries. I'm not going to put a ton of stock in it. What it, it could do potentially is Samsung has such uh, has made such changes to Android that there is always a possibility that Samsung takes ties in as its base and makes it look like it's Android phones and stops using Android because they want to control the ecosystem even more tightly. Uh, I mean, Samsung is such a big player in, um, in the mobile space. They are, you know, by some accounts selling more phones than Apple. And they're certainly uh, the leader in, in terms of Android smartphones that they very well could decide that, hey, we don't want to be using someone else's operating system anymore. We want our own. 
So the goal here would be by putting their own interface upon it, they could make these phones look almost the same as an Android phone so the average consumer wouldn't notice much of a difference. They could. Uh, of know. course, you'd have the app ecosystem, which would be a problem. Yep. So that 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 would be the issue. I mean, Samsung obviously has a lot of support, but being able to build their own app ecosystem is uh, pretty ambitious. So I, I don't see them moving away from Android anytime soon. I think this is an experiment on their part. I, they're a company that likes to experiment, is willing to experiment. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting. But but by the same token, we hear that uh, Ubuntu is coming out with a mobile version of Ubuntu for phones. And we've been hearing for a year now that Firefox is working on Boots to Gecko and that there are going to be a whole bunch of phones that run the Boot to Gecko operating system, which is based on the Firefox browser with some built-in web apps. So I think there's a lot of, um, you know, upstart projects that are trying to be the next mobile OS, but I don't think there's a lot of room for new players. But you kind of think they're trying to see if they could throw enough darts there and make one of them stick. Certainly Samsung could, and there's also strong potential that in a less mature market than the U.S. where people don't necessarily have an attachment to Android, uh, that they could make a dent with another operating system. I mean, if you look at Nokia, for example, uh, they have their Asha line of phones, which are not quite smartphones, but they're pretty much smartphones, and they run on this proprietary Asha operating system. And, you know, apparently in, in developing countries, it's, it's a big hit. So I guess it really depends on the market. All right. So clear this up for me. What is almost but not quite a smartphone? You know, where it maybe it has web browsing and it has email, but maybe it doesn't have a rich ecosystem of apps. It, it's um, the, the line between a smartphone and a feature phone is kind of fading. I guess a lot of people would say that a smartphone, you know, has an open ecosystem of apps, whereas a feature phone doesn't really have an open ecosystem of apps. So, you know, with Asha, I don't know if there's a lot of apps for it. Uh, So, you know, there's a blurry line there, but I think you would consider a smartphone to be something that runs one of the traditional smartphone operating systems, uh, be it Android iOS, BlackBerry OS, or Windows Phone, or potentially, um, you know, something like Tizen. All right, well, this Tizen, Tizen operating system, you kind of think here maybe they're making a few last-ditch efforts to come up with a suitable operating system to see if it sticks before they just have to standardize on iOS and Android forever with some action for Windows Phone. Well, you know, uh, also we're expecting later this month to see BlackBerry 10. I mean, don't laugh, but they say that uh, January 30th the products are going to be unveiled. So if they if BlackBerry hits that date, which is always a question with them, then we'll, then we'll see potentially another operating system that that has some viability. I mean, they still have several million subscribers. They may be able to convince those people 
to stick with them who would otherwise leave. Whether or not they're going to get new people switching over to BlackBerry, I, I'm doubtful. But at least they they have the they have some potential there. We have lots of potential coming up with Avon Pilch of Laptop Magazine here on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. It's time for a home security quiz. Answer this. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $35? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. It's like a lamp on a timer, but far more convincing. And for only $34.95, fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. Go to faketv.com or call one 877 877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine here on the Tech Night Isle live. We are exploring first the possibilities of other operating systems for smartphones, but now let's take a look at the Consumer Electronics Show. Now, oh, by the way, I'm hearing all sorts of little noises there from your whatever your your head. So we're going to look at what might be the key products here. Are you getting already a torrent of press releases from all the companies who say we're going to have this, that, and thus and so at the Consumer Electronics Show? Hundreds. Thousands, millions. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of them in, only in the last few days. Yeah, there's... Just a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on that I can talk about, and then there are some things that we know are coming. You know, we know under embargo are going to be coming out as well. There's going to be a lot of product releases at this show. However, I don't see that I don't see anything that really feels like it's going to be groundbreaking. Like you're going to walk away from the show and say, "Wow, they they've really changed the paradigm. Someone's really changed the paradigm here." I think we're going to see evolutionary products that are a little bit better than last year's. Okay, so it's going to be more of the same. Now, when someone puts you under embargo and says, "Don't release this until we release it at the show," for example, can you draw hints about that, or just stay away? I try to, I you know, I try not to. I try I try to stay away because maintaining those relationships with uh, the companies are is important, and you know we don't like to hold information back from you know, our readers. But this is an instance where you know most journalists do this. We agree to not we agree to get briefed on pro, on announcements a, a few days before they hit the public, so we have a chance to prepare and write up our coverage. So that as soon as the press release comes out, we can publish our story and we're not caught flat-footed. So, you know, it's obviously really helpful and so we we try to stick with that. But I, I certainly have drawn some conclusions from just the majority of things that I've found out both publicly and privately about what's coming at the show. And, I, you know, I see I see several different trends this year. I think, first of all, this is going to be a year where we see some faster, obviously some faster processors. 
Um, that's not a surprise. We see that every year. So Intel has long talked about their next generation Haswell uh, CPU platform. I would expect that they will do some kind of demonstration of it. Uh, but they haven't said anything, but it, I would not at all be surprised if they had some demonstrations of it, maybe in an Ultrabook, maybe at their press conference that they're holding to show the power of their new platform. Now, um, I wanted to ask you something about this. The new Intel chip, supposedly the integrated graphics are supposed to be much, much better. I'll, you know, their integrated graphics have gotten iteratively better across, um, for the past several years. But as of the current generation, which is known as Ivy Bridge, they are still not nearly good enough for to play serious games. They're good enough to play World of Warcraft in me, medium settings. They're not good enough to play, um, you know, Batman Arkham Asylum or something. So, really, they have a long way to go before their graphics are going to make you want to avoid, make you feel comfortable uh, not getting discrete NVIDIA graphics or, or AMD Radeon graphics for your for your laptop or for so, your desktop. So basically what you want to do here is look at the specs and look at the test results that, say, a publication like Laptop Magazine would do and see what they come up with more so than the specs. Look at the actual results to see what's going on with the games if you're a gamer. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we get a Haswell test system, that's the first thing that we'll do is we'll run it through some games and we'll see what how it does. My prediction, it won't be good enough to run something like Crisis to run a high-end game. It'll be able to run a medium a, a medium quality game at medium settings, which, you know what, for a lot of people is more than good enough. And also uh, play your YouTube videos and your streaming videos he, from Netflix. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that if you're not playing games, that the integrated graphics are, are pretty good, even now, as far as playing, you know, playing video, playing HD video, doing your, you know, graphing and charting, video editing, you know, for the most part, unless you're doing like high-end CAD applications, as a productivity worker, you don't, you don't have a real issue with integrated graphics. Okay, there's also a story that I saw this week that Intel might be trying to get into the set-top box game, but they have to make all these deals with content providers. So is that just another one of these stories? I mean, what does Intel know about a set-top box? They know how to make chips. We know that. But what about the rest? Well, Intel is an ambitious company. They have a lot of resources. So it makes sense that they would try to get into the entertainment space because they've been talking about uh, television for a while. I remember back in maybe it was 2010 or, or 2009, one of those years, I went to the Intel Developer Forum, which I go to every year in September. Uh, it's Intel's big, big show where they just talk about Intel stuff. And they had their keynote and they invited LeVar Burton from Star Trek on stage to watch TV with the CEO of Intel. Um, and they kind of showed how using an interactive TV menu, the two of them could be in different places but watch the same show and chat about it. Uh, so Intel's had an interest for several years in creating a social TV experience and sort of adding their own flavor to, 
to the TV viewing experience. And I think this is an area that is wide open. You have set-top boxes like the Google TV boxes and the Roku box and Apple TV, but I don't think that the penetration of those is so deep that someone else couldn't get into this game. And Apple certainly, we think that Apple may get into the game at some point in terms of, I mean, they're in the game now with Apple TV, but that they may actually build it into an actual TV set. Uh, Intel, with their strength with all their partners, uh, would not have to go it alone and build their own TV sets. All they would have to do is convince TV set makers like you know LG and Samsung to put their technology into a television. So could it happen? I think I think they have as good a shot as anybody, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some really interesting interesting stuff. I don't know if we're going to see it yet at CES though. All right, let's look at some of the things we might see at CES and explore this, and we'll pick this up in our next segment. We're just about at our break time. And part of it is here, let's look at the TV space. Now, I saw a story the other day, it was LG, I think, was it, that came out with an OLED TV, 55 inches, weighs less than 20 pounds, is about 4 millimeters thick, and understand that is thinner than the new iMac, okay, thinner than the new iMac, but, of course, where the iMac starts at 1299 this TV set, it kind of takes you back to the early days of plasma. This TV set will cost over $10,000 when it comes out first in South Korea. You know, a lot of times we talk about Laptop Magazine. I read it regularly online and everything. But I think a lot of our listeners aren't sure what you're about. So maybe in the next couple of minutes before our break, Avram, tell us about Laptop Magazine. So we've been around for about close to 20 years now in print and online for, you know, about ooh, a good five, ten, a good 10 years. Our website is located at laptopmag.com. Uh, we do uh, in-depth reviews and reporting on anything that you can take with you and some things that you can't. Uh, so we not only cover laptops, but we also cover smartphones, um, tablets, you know, accessories like printers, uh, we cover, you know, ga- we cover mobile gaming apps, software. Uh, about the only things that we don't do a lot of coverage of are desktops and all-in-ones. Uh, but our goal is to be uh, the pulse of mobile technology, uh, and we're here to help our readers and help the public make informed buying decisions about what to get and then how to use it. Uh, so you'll find tips on our site uh, to make the most of Windows 8. Uh, should you get that, or or your Android phone, or iOS, as well as re- reviews to help you pick pick that new phone or pick that new laptop. And of course, it's not just iOS. I did a piece for them on some tips and tricks about OS X Mountain Lion. They don't discriminate against platforms. They cover a lot of stuff. And as I said, I read it regularly, not just because Abrams my friend and a regular guest in the show. It's because I like it. Laptop Magazine. More to come with Avon Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA Drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Out Live. So I know you really don't cover TVs that much, but this new set from LG, is that going to start the next revolution? We have a $10,000 set, so maybe in three or four years it's going to be nine ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, that is, it's obviously OLED, 55 inches. That's pretty high-end technology, but as as we've seen, the, these uh, new technologies come down in price pretty quickly. So, yeah, I would imagine that this will be $1,000 or $1,200 within a couple of years. These new uh, these new home entertainment devices that are $10,000, there's always been a place for them among early adopters. Uh, what do you think someone like Alex Rodriguez does with all of his money? That's what I would do anyway, is buy all the $10,000 TV sets and the next year get a different one. Uh, but I think for most people... They're going to wait until this, this drops in price. But the very fact that it's out and you have a 55-inch OLED TV is, is promising for the rest of us. OLED definitely looks a lot better than LED or plasma. The colors are much more vibrant. So you know that's definitely something that, that we like to see. I mean, uh, for the benefit of, of our listeners, uh, if you've used an AMOLED phone, then you get a sense of what... OLED looks like on a TV. So some of today's popular smartphones have AMOLED screens, and AMOLED is is a form of OLED. So most of the high-end Samsung phones, like the Galaxy S3 and the Galaxy Note 2, 
use AMOLED. Uh, the Droid, the new Droid Razors, uh, the Razor Max H- HD Max, and the Razor HD and the Razor M uh, use AMOLED screens. HTC is using mostly Super LCD 2, but their HTC One S uses an AMOLED screen. AMOLED, in my opinion, is the best screen technology. It's the most vibrant color. It's not always the brightest, but it is can be very bright, uh, and it just really makes colors pop. So when you take that technology and you put it onto a TV set, I mean, that's that's really the best place for it. And you can basically get an OLED screen and fold it up. You that's know, there's, the amazing part of it. There's a lot of talk about um, foldable and bendable displays, and I'm sure that somebody will once again demonstrate that you can bend a piece of display. But it's just, I, every time I see that, I get a little irritated because people, when they see that, think that there's going to be a bendable product. But in order for you to have a bendable phone or a bendable monitor that you can roll up and put in your pocket, all of the technology within it would have to be bendable, not just the display. That's the thing that you have to understand. You have to understand that because if you can bend the display, the electronics, the connection dock for your HDMI and all that other stuff would have to be in a separate box almost. You'd have to kind of like put it in a base and then you take the bendable screen and you attach it to the base it's ridiculous what's not ridiculous though is the promise of it imagine that for less than the weight of a 27 inch iMac a pound or two less you have a 55 inch television this really uber thin screen with a brilliant picture and I assume then looking at the picture of it here that the electronics are in the base because where else could you put them there's no room on the screen itself and I imagine that for nine hundred ninety nine dollars, say in two thousand sixteen or something like that, and that would be simply magnificent. But do you think here, other than a product of the future that we hope after a few years of getting the production efficiencies ironed out, will come to a consumer product? Is there going to be anything revolutionary in TV, or is this just going to be more smart TVs? Even though I read that most people don't use the features on those smart TVs. Yeah, I mean the smart. The other problem with smart TVs right now is because it's not very standard. You know, you have there's different smart TV platforms. You might have to compromise on the quality of the TV to get this version that's smart. Uh, as a consumer, I would rather have a set top box because then I have the freedom to decide what my smart TV experience is going to be like, and I can decide that apart from what the television viewing experience is going to be like. Like, what if I want an OLED TV, but the OLED TVs aren't smart? I'd be better off getting a set-top box to add that to my OLED TV than having to compromise and get a non-OLED TV because it has the smart features. However, if somebody comes out with a really killer combination of screen and user experience, Apple is certainly capable of doing it. I'm not sure if they're going to do it this year. But Apple's certainly capable of doing it. Uh, with Intel's help, someone could do it. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's going to happen with Google TV because we've had a couple of generations of Google TV now, and so far that's been kind of a disappointment. But if someone can come out with something where you can really see the benefit of the smart TV functions, then I think we'll, we'll start to see this space take off. Right now, allowing people to surf the web and view YouTube videos on their TV is not necessarily a great selling point. I mean, I have a Roku box. I love it. It's great for watching Netflix on the TV, and I think that's something a lot of people 
uh, get that kind of functionality from their Nintendo Wii or their Xbox or all these things that can play Netflix onto your television. But uh, if you really want to kick it to the next level, you have to add functionality. And I think the functionality that would be the killer app is video conferencing. So I think we've seen a couple of TVs now with webcams built in. If you could get people mass talking on Skype or Google Hangouts or FaceTime on their television sets from the living room, then you've actually moved communication from the computer to the living room. And I think you, I think there you've really accomplished something. Well, then we're talking about family communications, which might be fascinating. Now, let me give you an idea of what I envision about an Apple TV or something like that. And that is the biggest problem in TV today is not whether it has the smart features that nobody uses. The biggest problem is integrating and switching among all your various gadgets because you've got this cable nightmare. You've got to get maybe a universal remote like a Logitech Harmony, and you've got the video game machine. And maybe you like a couple of platforms because of the different variety of games. So you have the Nintendo, and then you have the Xbox, and you have the Blu-ray player, and you've got the Apple TV, and you've got the cable satellite box. And you've got all this junk, and you've got to switch back and forth amongst them. And the universal remotes work pretty good once you set them up, because they have to be programmed properly. But it's still awkward. And I think where an Apple or someone else could make a difference would be to take all these different connections and accessories and smooth them out. Find a way to integrate everything, to switch from one to the other with a Siri voice recognition, say, for example, oh, get me channel 125 on DirecTV. Get me my Xbox. Something like that. Make the process of switching back and forth very simple, no programming, and then help reduce the cable clutter. Because it's a nightmare back there. And I don't have the gaming console with my setup. All I have with my Panasonic Plasma from 2008, by the way. didn't buy it last year. 2008. All I have is the Apple TV, the cable box, and the Blu-ray. I have three devices. And I use a Logitech Harmony remote to go from one to the other. But I think where Apple or some other company can make a difference is to smooth that out. Make it easier for people to switch from one to the other to maybe even have special preferences and settings for individual members of the family. So the kids get their stuff and the parents get their stuff and makes it easier to go through the 400 channels that you don't want, but you still have to pay for to get the ones that you do need. Now, in our previous segment of the show, we talked all about Laptop Magazine, what it's all about and how to get a copy. And I think we should talk about who we are and how you can check us out. Of course, we are the Tech Night Out Live. We're heard on the GCN radio network, and some new stations have started to pick us up. If you don't hear us on the radio, you can go to our site or GCN site, and you can hear a live and on-demand player. Just look for the Tech Night Owl Live. And we also have forums at forum.technightowl.com. Once again, that is forum.technightowl.com. Join up. We haven't really pushed the forums lately, but we'd like you to join, like you to engage in conversations or start new threads or conversations for yourself. And then I have cutting-edge commentaries at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com, where I talk about the state of the technology industry. Yes, we do emphasize Apple because it's number one, but we talk about a lot of other subjects, too, at technightowl.com. Pay us a visit. Avery Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. You land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more, all more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com, the big game hunting ranch, GoldenStagSafaris.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have a from Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com, and we were focusing a bit on some of the things that will come at CES, and I brought up the prospect of TV and the connected living room. So what do you think about my concept of some kind of digital video hub to kind of clean up clutter in your living room? Well, I think, I think that's helpful. I, I don't think that alone would convince people to spend extra money on a television because, yeah, you know, monkeying with remotes is a pain, but once you've gotten it down pat with your system and you know what, what remotes you need and you know how to switch things, that's kind of a startup problem for a lot of people. I think it's going to be additional functionality that is going to entice people in the long term. And certainly if it were an Apple TV, there's a better together possibility where your iPhone, your Mac, and your iPad could all work seamlessly together with this television. That's interesting. But we've also seen a lot of failed attempts or attempts that just haven't excited people to do streaming uh, from your laptop or from your tablet or from your phone to your TV. And that hasn't been you know, a blockbuster success I think to really change the marketplace and change the the tone of TV, someone's going to have to come along and offer additional functionality. And maybe the additional functionality is more along the lines of partnering with cable providers or satellite providers to kind of combine social media with a live viewing experience uh, so that it's easier to do social viewing on the TV and you can pull up a Twitter feed next to your TV window because one of the th- trends that we've seen for several years is that nobody unitasks anymore and our television experience has changed to reflect that. So we now have lots of apps for the iPad and for the iPhone and Android where you can chat on your phone or on your tablet while you're watching a show you tune into a number of shows. I see Fox does this all the time where they put a hashtag, Twitter hashtag at the bottom of the screen, and they expect that users, viewers are going to tweet with using that hashtag and discuss the show in real time. So I watch the show Fringe, and like every week they have a different hashtag that they've thought of that they put down there in the lower right corner or lower left corner of the screen so that they can get people to talk about it during the show using that hashtag. And that's an awareness that people don't just sit there passively and watch television anymore. So I think what you'll see is a a combining of social media with the viewing experience in real time. Well, I was thinking not so much about a TV set with that digital hub, but a separate set-top box you can plug into any TV, although I could see it being in a TV set. Regardless, let's move into other things. Okay, so with TV sets, we don't expect anything revolutionary, but will other companies be bringing out things in anticipation that Apple is going to really enter that space big time beyond the current Apple TV? Well, I think we're going to continue to see evolution in, in smart TV space. Samsung obviously has lots of precedence planned. Wouldn't be surprised to see more smart TV stuff from them. 
LG has some some events planned as well. Google TV, I mean, we may see it built into more things, but what we haven't seen yet is a is a wholesale revision to Google TV. I think Google would be wise to try and find a way of combining better combining Google TV with Android so that you had more of a shared experience across your phone and TV, especially because now we're seeing a whole bunch of Android-powered computer sticks or HDMI sticks that you plug into your TV to get a different experience. So I think we're going to continue to see interactive entertainment stuff at CES. There's no doubt about it. Whether it's a uh, reaction to Apple or not, I don't really think it is. I think it's just an acknowledgement that this is a space that's still wide open and people can get into it. All right, past the TV space, the living room. Okay, so tablets. Tablets, of course. We saw, I guess, according to published reports, evidence that, of course, Apple did well with the iPad and the iPad Mini doing very well, although being backordered, that the Amazon Kindle fires it pretty well. So where are we going with the tablet space? Is there going to be anything really new there or just something that will be the next year's model of the previous version? Well, I mean, I'm really excited. I just got an email from uh, eFun saying that they're coming out with their next book, 8GP, 8-inch tablet. That's really going to set the world on fire. (laughs) No, seriously, there's going to be a lot of pretenders to the throne as usual. Uh, there's going to be you know, lots of low-end uh, Android tablets introduced, some of which could be interesting. Uh, I think we'll see some new Windows 8, perhaps even Windows RT devices shown at, shown at CES. But uh, without a strong ecosystem of touch-friendly apps, those products still aren't that compelling. I think you know, you're going to see some iterative improvements in that space, you'll see maybe you'll see some new stuff shown around by the Samsungs and Acers of the world. Who knows? But it's unlikely that we'll see something that is truly groundbreaking in terms of an Android device. And then Windows 8, well, we've kind of seen a lot of what we're going to see with Windows 8. We'll probably just see more of the same, more convertible hybrids where the key, where the keyboard attaches and the screen pops off to be a, t- a Windows 8 tablet, more things with keyboards that slide out in some way or, twi- or screens that twist. We'll see more of this, and we may even see some innovative designs. Last year at this time, we saw the IdeaPad Yoga, which only recently came out with the launch of Windows 8, and that was truly a blow-away innovative design because you had a screen that bent back 100, 180 degrees so that it was completely flipped around, and that was the first time first time the industry had seen anything like that. So is someone going to innovate like that again at this year's show? I hope so. Yeah, but I wonder here, do people really care about these reversible and swivel screens and all that stuff? I mean, when you look at it on TV and you see the ad, ah, now I'm going to play my thing off. Before I do anything else, I go to my computer and I swivel the screen in a beautiful fluid motion and you think okay that's great that's easy and you get home and you buy one of these great pc notebooks and you have to learn the technique to move them around and say what am i doing with this junk don't you think it gets to be a little too much i don't think the flipping is the issue i think the issue is whether or not the device provides a good tablet experience once you've flipped it 
So you want to make sure the flipping doesn't create flopping in the sense of being a flop. Well, I mean, I recently reviewed uh, a hybrid a hybrid product, the HB NVX2. And I'm sorry, but I wouldn't envy anyone who bought this product. For $850, you get something that's the equivalent of a netbook that doubles as a tablet. So you have a device where it's got it's an 11.6-inch tablet, which is quite large for a tablet, that pops into, comes with and pops into what looks like a full-size keyboard, although the key, the key travel was absolutely awful. And I'll get into and, more of the review with Avram in a moment. You're listening to Gene Steinberg with Avram Pilch on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed, but if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. Land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts.
starts at goldenstagsafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch, goldenstagsafaris.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves the Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, LaptopMag.com, and he's talking about another one of those convertible PCs that does everything but not so well. Go ahead. Well, I was talking about the HP NVX2 because it's representative of a, of a class of products that is problematic, which is these very expensive hybrids that cost more than a notebook and more than a tablet and arguably close to the cost of buying one of each and provide you with the worst of both worlds. So something like the NVX2, like as a tablet, it was okay. But it's a Windows 8 tablet without a lot of without a lot of apps for it. Once you p- popped it into the dock, you realize, okay, wait a second, I have a netbook here. The keyboard's not very good; it's small. The screen is low res and small. And guess what? It's running on an Atom processor with two gigabytes of RAM. If you were to go and buy this without the touchscreen and the tablet ability, it would probably be a three hundred fifty dollar or four hundred dollar netbook or or near netbook something that was close to the performance of a netbook. But here you are spending $850 on it. So it's like you have a $350 notebook and a $400 tablet, uh, but neither one of them is the best that it could be. Whereas for four to $500, you can get a really good quality tablet. You can get something like the entry-level fourth-generation iPad, or you can get the Google Nexus 10, which is, you know, one of the best Android tablets out there for 400 And you could buy a note. The average notebook costs $500. So really, you're asking someone to pay $850 for something that gives netbook-level performance and is not good enough to be your everyday notebook and, and maybe not good enough to be your everyday tablet. The user might be much better off just buying two separate devices. So the Swiss Army knife kind of computer... Don't you think it's become very ridiculous that you get, you know, maybe 70% of the best that each format can deliver? Does Microsoft, though, generate that by trying to make Windows 8 be the combination of the mobile operating system and the desktop operating system? So, therefore, all the products have to combine everything. I think Microsoft is behind it in a lot of ways because the operating system reflects it. And I think that 
they may end up finding that this was a mistake. I, I don't think that they're wrong to try and provide a common platform, but the common platform doesn't have to work on the same hardware all the time. So if you were, for example, to have Windows 8 on a tablet that was nice and small and light and had the right Windows 8 tablet-friendly apps on it, which we haven't seen them all come out yet, and then you had a notebook that could run the same apps but was larger and was larger and provide a better typing and better productivity experience, the fact that you could run the same apps on both I think would really be enough without them having to be the same machine. Is there any indication, though, there's been much of an uptake of Windows 8 beyond the norm? doesn't no. look like it's become a great success. Not at all. Windows 8 is, according to some estimates, selling worse than Windows Vista was at this time in its release cycle. So, so it, I, think, I think it's got problems, absolutely. Absolutely got problems. And, I, and uh, Mark Spoonauer, our editor-in-chief here at Laptop, uh, wrote an article this past week predicting that in 2013, Microsoft will be forced to bring back the start menu. We'll have to, we'll have to see if that comes true because uh, they can be quite stubborn over there. But they, it, it's definitely, so far, it's not, it's not been exciting people. Now, some people say that it's the hardware. Nobody wants these, uh, these hybrid devices or they're too expensive. Because you, after all, are asking people to spend a lot more money. You cannot get a touchscreen Windows 8 notebook or Windows 8 hybrid for the same price that you would get a Windows 7. I mean, you can get a Windows 8 notebook without the touch experience for the same price as you got a Windows 7 one. You can buy a $500 Windows 8 netbook, uh, 500 Windows 8 notebook, but without touch, Windows 8 feels really bad. Like hey, wait a second, I want to touch this because it's these blocks and it's made to be touched. Well, you got to pay $350 more and get something that's underpowered. So I think, I think Microsoft and its OEM partners have been very aggressive in trying to boost the average selling price of PCs, and I think that they are maybe overestimating the public's demand to pay more money for something that is, at this moment, a very incomplete ecosystem. Well, I just think that if you look at the ads that Microsoft has done for Windows 8, they are loud, they are noisy, and as far as anything else, they're mostly irrelevant to anybody's experience. They have this one where this little girl is taking a touch screen and she's drawing white circles around people's faces. And this has yeah. got to be something so distinctive that I'm going to upgrade to Windows 8 for this? What the heck is that about? See, part of the problem I was thinking about this this week as well is that the Microsoft advertising for both their phone platform and Windows 8 platform does not focus on the benefits of the technology. It seems to focus on very superficial things. I'm and not sure. very useless things, too. Right. So what you're talking about is, is the picture password feature, which is a total gimmick that you could draw, that you could put a lock screen that is a picture of anything you want, like your family member, and have to draw a circle around their face to unlock it. Like, but you know something, when you look at the commercial, you don't know what it's there for. It's not it, obvious. Nobody's telling you, look how easy it is to unlock your PC. It's just done with a lot of loud music and the connection. You don't even, make it. You would make the connection because you're aware of the technology. I'm aware of the technology. I didn't make the connection. Call me stupid, but I think the commercial was stupid. 
Oh, I, oh, I agree with you. Because even if you knew what the technology was, it's not very useful. Who, who cares about how you unlock the screen? That's that's ridiculous. Uh, the same thing if you look at the Microsoft Surface commercials. They're all about the keyboard that clicks in, which isn't even a standard feature, but there's no discussion of the actual apps or the software. And then you take some of the Windows Phone commercials, and either they just show you the home screen because they think you'll be enticed by the tiles, or they show you that the phones are different colors. And Microsoft has apparently instructed a lot of its partners to make sure that they offer the phones in all kinds of rainbow colors. And, and that's lovely, but if that's your selling point, why should I buy your phone? Because if that's what you're going to do is try and say that this is your phone because you can get it in either red or yellow, I think the public is smarter than that, and I think that they're looking for actual standout features they can use. Contrast that with Samsung's features for the Galaxy S3 or the Galaxy Note 2, and you see something where the commercials are very wittily done, but people are constantly using real standout features of the phone, like being able to share photos by rubbing the phones together or share videos that way or, you know... Or, or use some of these standout features that only Samsung has, that's how you advertise a product. If, you, if your only feature is that you come in different colors or you've got some cutesy feature like, like, pass, like uh, picture password, then you're playing with a weak deck. Well, it's all fluff and very little substance, trying to persuade people by giving them lots of noise and flash, but if there's nothing behind it, you don't like it. And I agree with you, of course, that Samsung has an important feature that Apple lacks, which is the NFC feature, this near-field communications feature, which is the way you swap your photos and such from one smartphone to another or to a tablet. Apple doesn't have that. Of course, Apple, of course, then extols the features they have, and their ads will show you how certain things work and how regular people use them, unless you're Samuel Jackson and you're using Siri to tell it what to do. But... (laughs) The key here is that the ads are more realistic. Microsoft can only give you noise, especially the original ad for the Surface RT, where you heard somebody clicking together and everybody's clicking and dancing and jumping. And what's this about? It's about this netbook kind of device that might be a tablet, and it's the Surface. But why should I buy that? What does it do for me if you haven't already fast-forwarded through the commercial because it is so damned annoying we have someone who is never annoying and he's going to answer that question about the ad for the surface in a moment that's avram pilch of laptop magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live america's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade we are the gcn radio network Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. In the U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $34.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans. And it's perfect if you're traveling or away from home. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple, with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Final segment of the Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. We have... Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. So I talked about the first ad for the Surface RT, clicking, clacking, dancing, noise, but no substance. Yeah, that's the problem. There's no substance to any of these commercials that Microsoft has. And 
they need to show what their unique feature is. And unfortunately, they don't have a lot to show there, and that's that's exactly the problem. You've got something where you have all these large screen apps that look pretty but actually don't offer additional functionality like the Bing app or the News app or the Mail app, which just make everything look big but actually have a lower information density, as our, our friend Jacob Nielsen would say, the, the usability expert would say, you're actually getting less information on the screen at once. Then you have this device that offers netbook-like performance with a attractive-looking keyboard that's quite expensive. You have to spend another you know, 100 to $120 to, to add that keyboard. And so all I'm showing you is that the keyboard clicks on with a magnet, and I'm going to spend $620 for this. I just think the public is a little more sophisticated than that. They're not going to plunk down that kind of money on something, or if they do, they're going to end up returning it unless there's a feature that they can see that is going to really benefit them. Now, if they had wanted to, Microsoft could have focused on the fact that the Surface RT comes with Microsoft Office built in. That would be something. That appeals, I guess, more to the business people. But the other thing here is that the problem people are having is they do not understand, or a lot of people don't understand, that the Surface RT does not run Windows apps. It has to run special apps coded for the ARM-based system. And that also generates confusion because if you took a Surface RT and the regular Surface that's coming out, I guess, very shortly, you wouldn't realize, unless you understand the distinction, that one model will run Windows apps the other will not, even though the operating systems are, for all intents and purposes, the same. There's one piece of information that, as a journalist, I'm dying to get and is not available publicly yet. Haven't gotten it. Don't know if we'll ever get it. But I would love to know the return rate on Surface with RT. Oh, yeah. Now, Microsoft will never disclose this, I am sure. However, it is always possible that if it totally flops at one of these third-party retailers like a Best Buy or Staples, that they may come out and say, we, we removed this because the return rate was too high. But then again, they probably don't want to diss Microsoft, so it's doubtful that we'll ever hear the truth about that. If they end up pulling the Surface or, or discounting the Surface, we won't know if it's because it just wasn't selling well in the first place or because the return rate was high. But I remember a few years back, something very interesting happened in the, in the netbook space, which is when netbooks first were becoming popular with the EPC and the MSI Wind, Best Buy and a couple of other big box retailers sold a few netbooks that had Linux on them. Because you may remember that the first netbooks had Linux, some kind of Linux. Uh, some had one kind, some had another. We interviewed one of the executives at Best Buy around that time, and they said, we've stopped selling Linux netbooks because the return rate was too high. People thought they looked nice, then they got it home and they realized that this Linux could not run their programs and then they came back and returned it. We don't like having things returned. You know, we're dropping this product. So what I'm curious about is if they had that problem with a Linux netbook where the operating system clearly looks different than Windows and now you have Surface with RT where the operating system clearly looks the same isn't there likely to be a bigger confusion rate and a bigger return rate as a result? So I don't know if we'll ever get that piece of information. You know, maybe in a quarter or two, we'll see what happens. But I don't know if we'll ever know uh, unless some someone really feels like speaking out of turn, like an executive at Staples or a, it's not going to be a Microsoft person, I guarantee. 
but one of the third parties that's selling it may come out and say, hey, this thing is getting returned a lot. I would hazard to guess that the return rate is going to be high, but unless someone speaks out, we'll never know for sure. Now, one thing I notice here is there are a lot of reviews for the Surface over at Best Buy. And it's gotten a four and a half out of five rating, which sounds promising. But a fair number of those reviews, and it's been pointed out to me, don't read like reviews from real people, but by, shall we say, marketing people who put those ads in there to boost the product. You know, there's a reason why, hopefully, I I still have and continue to have a profession, which is that you want a trustworthy source of reviews. So user reviews can be uh, manipulated And there are also people who may not have a sense of perspective about what the other products in the market are if that's the only product that you've owned. Now, I'm not saying user reviews are not useful. I read them too, particularly when it's a product that's too obscure to have been reviewed by somebody. You know, like if I'm going and shopping on Newegg and, boy, there's there's some kind of like a Wi-Fi dongle you know, it may not be something that, that everybody in the world has reviewed, but there may be 50 user reviews and 20 of them may say that this was defective out of the box. Well, that's going to affect my decision to buy it. But if you see something that's been very well reviewed, I mean, by well, I mean very frequently reviewed by a lot of professional outlets like the Surface, you know, I think you've got to, to look at what some of those professional outlets had to say and Look, some people are going to enjoy the Surface. I'm not going to say that no one, no one will like it. I think for what it is, it is overpriced, uh, but it has potential as a platform. Once and if it gets a lot more apps and if it were significantly less expensive. I'll tell you, I was just reading some of those ads at Best Buy as I was talking to you, and I couldn't stop from gagging from what I saw. And I think this is not the way you will market something because you will create expectations on the part of customers for what the product is. And they'll go in there and they'll buy it and they'll return it. And the store is hurt. Yeah, the store will give you your money back. I'm not satisfied. Give me my money back. And I don't think stores right these days, they don't really give you these. You don't have to pay these repacking fees or anything anymore. Some do. But you go back in there. And you think, wow, okay, they gave me a refund, but if you buy too much junk at a store, the next time you'll say, you know what, I went to Best Buy, I went to Staples, and I bought some things there and I didn't like them, so maybe I'll go to another store that has a better selection. It's not just the manufacturer of the product that is hurt by this decision. Even if you get good service and getting the thing returned promptly and you get your money back and everything, you're still going to feel slightly negative about the store for offering that junk. Yeah, I mean, look, they don't want to offer Best Buy in particular. And, and it's it's worth talking about Best Buy because they are probably the, the main national big box electronics retailer at this point. Uh, Best Buy in particular is very picky about what they stock, uh, sometimes to the consumer's detriment because they – they're very conservative and don't always stock the highest end stuff or the latest stuff or the best stuff. Uh, so if they don't see that this is selling well, they will pull it. They 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 don't care. They they don't like to use shelf space on something that is that they consider not to be a good user experience. Uh, you know, you might argue that some of the products they have aren't the best, but uh, they certainly are very picky about what they about what they do and don't stock. And if this isn't selling well or they're getting negative feedback about it, it will be gone. Right, but I think here Microsoft would have insisted on some kind of deal about that. 
before bringing yeah. the service to those stores. So it's not going to be as easy as maybe some secondary manufacturer bringing a TV set in there. It doesn't sell too well. It doesn't offer a good picture or a reliable user experience. This is Microsoft. This is a key flagship product for their future strategy. And when they bring it to a Best Buy or a Staples, they're going to make an agreement that requires that if they want to exit from that agreement, they have to make a few concessions. Hey, Avram Pilch, tell us where we can find more of the stuff you do. So you can uh, keep up with all my, with my weekly columns at laptopmag.com slash geekski. Follow all of our coverage, including our coverage from CES at laptopmag.com. And follow me on Twitter at, at Geek in Chief. You can find us on Twitter, too, Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Also, if you go to technightowl.com, you find our portal for lots of technology commentary, our forums, and for the Tech Night Owl Live. We have another radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, and we're going to be talking this week to a fellow named Micah Hanks about the UFO singularity. You'll have to listen to that show at Paracast.com, Paracast.com, to be sure of what that's all about. Here on the Tech Night Owl Live, special thank you to Avram Pilch. Thanks for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.